0: Let's talk housing crisis. One of the most common headlines we've seen in the news all the time. We also want to talk about some city infrastructure, right? Canada is also pouring a lot of money into infrastructure. And because of that, we see certain things happening, like tons of cranes going up. Toronto alone has a lot of cranes. I think it's like the highest in North America, highest ranking for cranes. And uh, so we're obviously building a lot of stuff, but we still have a housing crisis. So let's talk about that.
1: And I don't know what the definition of, what what these politicians think, what crisis means. Because when I hear housing crisis, I think that, you know, we got a bunch of homeless people sleeping on the streets. Everybody, you know, can't afford to buy a home. Nobody can afford to rent. That's a housing crisis. I live in Hamilton. What I see is not quite that because, you know, growing up in Hamilton 10 years ago, there was no cranes down in Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Right? You're talking Toronto, you're from Toronto, I'm from Hamilton. Right? It's probably a normal thing for you growing up, seeing cranes, skyscrapers yeah. getting built all the time. Hamilton, this is new. Yeah. This is new. Like, you know, restaurants getting torn down to build a skyscraper. That's a new thing for me. Yeah. That's not a new thing for you. So when I think about housing crisis, I think we're doing a pretty good job on building houses. Now, the difference, though, is that we're maybe not building houses and we're building condos. Is that what they mean by housing crisis? Because we're building condos, not houses? No,
0: I think they just mean accommodations in general, like just affordable places. Because condos, they also constitute them. When, when, when Canada talks about how many properties or how many uh, houses we're outputting every year... They separate them into uh, single family homes, detached Mm semides, anything like that. And they also have account for condominiums. So when they talk about units, they Mm -hmm. usually separate them. So they also include condos in that, whether it's townhouse rows or whether it's condominium buildings, they lump them all together Mm -hmm. in the stats.
1: See, because everybody wants to live downtown. Yeah. It doesn't matter downtown Toronto, downtown Hamilton. I don't really want to live downtown Hamilton. Downtown Toronto seems like a fun time to me because I'm not from Toronto. Yeah. Right. But everybody wants to live downtown. Everybody wants to live where they work close to work. I remember when COVID hit with us, it's like, let's go uh, buy a cottage. Let's go buy a house out in the country because we're working remote, right? Why live in the city? Let's go buy a a farm somewhere, you know, an hour away. It makes total sense. And now COVID's over and we're seeing all the price decreases. The most, you know, you can't sell a cottage right now in Muskoka's. They're, they're the most hit raised cottages. And during COVID, the
0: most spiked That was an easy one to predict, I feel. A lot of people saw that coming. I think part of the spike for the cottage country uh, sales was the remote work. And then people started to decide that they didn't want to live in the city and that they were just going to live in their quote-unquote vacation home. And people who loved that cottage life were just like, I'm just going to work from home from here. Mm -hmm. right?" But when the decline happened and and some offices were like, hey, everybody's got to come back to the office now. Everybody's got to come back to work. We've got to start doing X, Y, and Z. People had to let go of their cottages. Right, unless yeah. people were willing to go out there, so those got hit the first, and that that kind of makes sense. But when we're talking a housing crisis, right? Uh, it is what you said—a combination of affordability, availability, and also what,
1: like, supply demand must have a lot to do with with the housing crisis. Yeah, like and that's what people are telling me because I don't know. And again, we see the cranes. So I don't know if the supply is an issue.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, it, it obviously is like, okay, for example, when you're renting out a property or when you're renting out a unit, how many applicants do you get? Whether they're qualified or not. How many applicants do you get on, let's say, a two-bedroom that's listed in August for a month?
1: Yeah, the the leasing agents are probably doing 20, 30 showings. You know, that's a showing a day. They probably get 10 to 15 applicants, right? Half of that. And
0: that's after even filtering because the messages yeah. they get yeah. from people yeah. asking credit to see. Minimum
1: score, minimum income. You need to check these boxes before you even get to see the unit.
0: Yeah, because I see some of the message the, the messages that they have to process. They're getting tons of messages, and yes. and with the amount of people who are messaging, it does make me wonder sometimes where are all these people living? Like, what is the situation? It's like if you get a hundred inquiries per apartment, it was kind of like that for a while with people who are applying for jobs. Right, if you post a job and then you get two hundred applicants. For some yeah. of these jobs, then where are these people working otherwise? Does that mean unemployment is really high or they're just in a position that they're not terribly happy with, right? Yeah. So it, it's not indicative of what the actual situation is, but we are definitely being told that there is a problem. Yeah, and you can gauge the unemployment rate.
1: We can gauge the actual number of houses that is needed. We take the amount of immigra- immigrants that's coming into Canada yeah. every year that we need to at least build enough amount of those houses. To match that number that makes sense yeah plus we need to talk about you know the 16 17 year olds right that are looking to buy a house in a couple of years yeah we need those houses apartments right? yeah apartments yeah so there is there is a number but it's also a speculation number there's not a certain number that you need to tell me you know we need to build this amount of houses and it solves the housing crisis to solve a problem we need a solution and the solution can't just be build more
0: homes yeah
1: how many homes do i need to build to solve the problem
0: which is what makes me wonder because if if we look at some of the numbers here right like for example you sent this over Like there's 357 cranes mm-hmm. across our skyline between toronto and hamilton area out of 619 projects on the construction 238 projects boast at least one crane all right 30 that's 36.5 percent which is quite a lot for 2023 we're seeing that toronto itself has 139 cranes in the residential sector, thirty-three cranes in mixed use, and then thirty-five in strictly commercial, mm-hmm. right? Which is the largest concentration of cranes in North America. We have nine in Boston, fourteen in Chicago, thirty-six in Denver, Honolulu is fourteen, Las Vegas twelve, Los Angeles forty-seven, New York ten, Phoenix nine, Portland fourteen, San Francisco seventeen, and Washington D.C. has twenty-six. So we're not even beating them by a little bit. We're beating Smoke. them Smoke. by like. Fools, yeah, yeah. If we're smoking anybody, yeah. it's in the amount of cranes that are needed in order to accommodate the immigration or the yes. growing population that we have. Now, if we we're just reading this on paper, yeah. would you say that we have a housing crisis?
1: Well, I mean, <laughs> just reading this on paper, it's, it it, it's, it's, it should be a simple answer, right? Yeah, it, no, it,
0: it seems like it seems like we're we're either prepared or going to be catching up quite soon. Yeah. So then the question I have to ask is: You said New York City only has ten cranes in the sky. Yeah. I
1: would assume the only reason why they have ten cranes in the sky is because the land is so expensive in New York City.
0: Oh, that's true, yeah.
1: We have so many cranes because the land is not that expensive here. However, the building cost is crazy. The permit fees, the wait times, the holding costs, the interest rates, everything is so against the builder. Yeah. So now, if we're talking about the housing crisis is not a supply issue because we're definitely building enough condos. Mm. All the cranes are condos. Yeah. So it has to be something to do with price. Well, the city and the federal government and the provincial government Right. All three levels of government control the price. They don't control lumber price and all that stuff, but they control uh, gas. Yeah. Right. And gas is a, a huge expense for the lumber companies, the guy that's delivering the drywall. All the permits needed to, to mine stuff that you need for the drywall. The paint. Right. We're exporting paint. The duties for the paint coming across the border. So all these little things that add up because we keep on taxing and taxing and taxing makes it so expensive to build
0: yeah it's not the builders making more money no it's definitely not the builders making more money no which also begs the question if things are are so expensive why are there so many cranes and so many people building because there is a supply and demand issue so that's the thing it is still obviously profitable to some degree for people to be doing it and with the amount of people coming in so if that's the case it means that regardless of how expensive it is that bill is getting flipped further down the line because you said how it's being flipped from the people who are supplying the product they're flipping it to the guy who's buying it who is the builder yep. and the builder is flipping it to whoever is going to be yep, the selling end user. yeah the end user afterwards which is the consumer so this person is the people who are immigrating to the country the people who are growing up the people who are yep. going to be buying homes yep. right so that's where the bill is finally being flipped to so when we hear our political leaders talk about how they want to solve the housing crisis and doing all these things that i think optically sound like it's going to be improvement like for example increasing minimum wage. That's another kick-the-bottle-down-the-line kind of thing, where you increase the minimum wage, it goes to the employers, and the people who are employing these people now have to raise the prices of whatever product they're selling, whether it's food, gas, whether it's uh, raw materials... They're yeah. now going to sell it to the developers who are going to be building whatever they're building and they're going to pass that bill back to the working yeah. person. Yeah. So it's a weird, vicious cycle and it doesn't seem like it's actually solving anything.
1: Yeah, and it's hard to... So I'll bring up the carbon tax. Carbon tax was a big topic about a year ago. Justin Trudeau brings us carbon tax. So, you know, we see all our goods go up, right? Groceries go up and a lot of it's due to carbon tax, right? The farmers pay more for gas. The, the guy picking up whatever vegetables you're buying pays more for gas. The groceries, you know, everybody's... You know, gas is such a crucial part of our expenses, mm-hmm. right? Even though, if, even if you don't drive, yeah, right? It's still a huge part of your life. And we have this carbon tax. So gas goes up crazy, right? We're go, 10, 15 cents a liter was the carbon tax. Now we're pausing, Justin Trudeau is pausing the carbon tax. Mm. Isn't it crazy to have that much power? I want to tax, I want to bring more money in, 10, 15 cents a liter. And then, you know what? I get so much backlash over this, you know, it's almost election time. Uh, Pierre Paulyov's numbers are out the roof. The guy's going to be the next prime minister. I need to pull my socks. And it's like, you know what I can do to pull my socks? Remember that carbon tax I did a year ago? Mm-hmm. Let's pause it. Put Let's pause it. Yeah, right. Make everybody feel a little better. When I see that, when I hear that, I think about Doug Ford. And, you know, Doug Ford gets a lot of hate and this and that. And, you know, I agree with it. I disagree with it. Sure. I'm not taking anybody's side. But when the guy makes a mistake, he owns up for it. And he gets a pat on the back. Right? And that's how it should be. Like, when you make a mistake, you own up for it. Get a pat on the back. Yeah. Trudeau never made, he never (laughs) made, never made any mistakes. No. And now, you know, Doug Ford gets all this credit, uh, amid his mistake. And then all of a sudden, you know, a couple weeks later, we see the carbon tax. Sure, it's probably, you know, that's not why Justin Trudeau did it. He probably did it for other reasons to try to get the votes and didn't really think about Doug Ford, but. You know That's what I think about when we talk about politics. Is-
0: and here's the thing. There are things that each party is doing and they are arguably right or wrong in mm-hmm. their approach as uh, business people or as investors who are navigating the market. Right or wrong is sometimes besides the point We have to figure out how to navigate the situation. Ford did the whole thing with the green belt. Essentially, now we are, we've created an island for ourselves, which means that infrastructure can't extend beyond and we have to focus inwards. That's going to be affecting real estate prices, making things more expensive.
1: Yeah, but that wasn't Doug Ford. What was it? That was the liberals, right? It's Doug Ford trying to stop that. And open up the green belt, right? That's mm. what Doug Ford tried to do. But it was always the liberals, okay? Right? So there's a lot of mis- misconception there that Doug Ford invented the green belt. The green
0: belt was there, you know, with the liberals. <laughs> You're right. Is him try- Is him just trying to? Now act Now that you mention it? it, yes, because uh, they, here's the thing: there are there are the articles, right? And they, yeah. they essentially put a lot of them are pointing the finger at Ford, right? Yeah. For some of the stuff, but you, but I, but I would defer to you on your views on that. If you say that that's the way it is. But the thing where certain policies are affecting the real estate market, at least, and how we go about navigating these situations is the way, let's say, Trudeau uh, adjusts uh, immigration policies, right? Some of the things that are happening on a global scale where I know that uh, a lot of the immigration to Ontario has been coming from India. Indian government has been essentially tightening things up and maybe applying certain restrictions when it comes to the immigration from India to Canada. And Indian immigration has actually been propping up the real estate market, especially considerably, mm-hmm. right? A lot of people coming into the rental market and is making, that's actually one of the things that's contributing largely, to, I think, to making rents so unaffordable. Not just the interest rates, it's also the competition. Mm-hmm. People are only willing to pay for this because there's literally nowhere else to go. So when there is a housing crisis, yes, what, what is the, the essentially the vessel that is being used to prop up the Canadian economy right now, which is immigration, is also contributing to rental prices going up like crazy right now.
1: Yeah, but that'll also boost the economy, right? When prices go up, you know that kind of boosts the economy. So you can't have both, right? We can't have we can't have good immigration, everybody happy, everybody find a house, and then the prices stay the same, right? Yeah, but it's something like, does have to give.
0: But it is like a circle where if you yes. if, if you effectively influence something over here, you need the downwards infrastructure. Yes, and the downwards infrastructure is I think what we're lacking. Take for consideration this: so if we're talking about infrastructure and what it is that Canada is building. Look at the highway infrastructure, the road infrastructure, the waste processing infrastructure. Yeah. How many toilets have we built in the last 30, 40 years into condos or apartment buildings? Have we built a single new processing plant for all of the waste that yeah. comes from the people living there that goes into the lake that we process the water from? Yeah. We pump the water from the center of the lake and any type, anything that's like being put into the lake after being processed... That stuff that stuff is technically more tidal, yeah. right? So theoretically, it's not so bad. But if you think about it, it's just unnecessary. If you ever go by the lakeshore before Parkside, right? But around there, lakeshore has these condos by the nice bridge there in Toronto on mm. the west side. Every now and then, you drive by there, that whole area smells like actual yeah. shit. Yeah. The reason why it smells like shit? The waste processing plant gets overflowed. After it rains too much, the system can't handle it yeah. and nothing overflows. It smells like human waste.
1: It's funny you bring that up because you guys have problems in Toronto with that. In Hamilton, on the mountain, there is a dump. And what happens is when it rains, Mm. right? Mostly when it rains, all the water that gets pumped through the landfill, and then there's a pump at the bottom that pumps all that water out. And that's the water that, you know, it funnels through all the garbage. Yeah. And then they pump it out and into like a cesspool into a pond yeah all summer long those residents have been complaining of that they can't even go in their backyards yeah and you it's know bad. what yeah my wife works up there and i drive up there sometimes they're not lying they are <laughs> not lying yeah that stinks and how the city can just sit by and argue that it's going to cost you know x amount of dollars to fix it so we're not fixing it another great story talk about the city of hamilton and how this works right that is that's owned by the city they don't want to put the money in there's a scrapyard called aim on, I don't know if you know where that is, at the end of, it's called Steel City Court, but it's right at the end of Parkdale, Parkdale on Burlington Street. If you drive down uh, Burlington Street, Tesla Boulevard, you will see a big wall that was just put up. Now, that big wall is a sound barrier because the neighbors on the other side of Burlington Street were complaining of all this noise. Tires would pop and, you know, they would, gas tanks would explode a little bit, right? Mm. in the scrapyard, right? They're dismantling cars. Like, stuff happens. Yeah. They would complain about the noise. The city made AIM that employs, you know, hundreds of people in Hampton. Pays crazy property tax. They made them build this mi- multi-million dollar wall, wall, like a Donald Trump a wall. A multi-million dollar wall. <laughs> yes, to stop
0: noise. Yeah. That doesn't really work. Does okay? it? I don't know. No. It d- they do that along the highways, right? Uh, next to the residential sectors, they put up those yes, wall barriers. because yes, it uh, helps with the white noise. Yeah.
1: But when gas things are exploding, <laughs> right? We're not talking about white noise <laughs> That's here. That's true, yeah. Okay, the wall, sure, it might, it might help a little bit, but the city made aim. Spend that money. Yeah. An employer, again, employs so many Hamiltonians, pay so much property tax. If that was a city-owned scrapyard, yeah. the city would be fighting back. Of course. Tooth and nail. Of course. Right?
0: Instead, you know what? We can go put an order to comply on the door. Yeah. Excess noise. You need to fix it. Yeah. If you don't fix it, we're shutting you down. Because the city doesn't want to have to deal with the complaints and yeah. say something about it. Cities often take measures like that in every regard. Even when it comes to concessions on some, some kind of city infrastructure, the LRT, for example, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's the type of infrastructure that the city's willing to invest in. Now, whether or not it is good, here's the thing from a real estate perspective, it's actually pretty good for uh, from an investment perspective because it will definitely improve property values that are close to where the lrt is being constructed the only thing i hate about it is that it removes existing good road infrastructure and i would like your opinion on this because you're from toronto
1: you grew up with with good transit or maybe you know i would say good transit i would say good transit <laughs> because we don't have trains in hamilton we have buses
0: ttc stands for take the car you know that right okay <laughs> See, yeah i didn't know that i didn't
1: know that right We're, i'm not around any of that the public transit, just buses. When I see streetcars, when I see subway, you know, I think that's good transit. So when I think about that, we're having this train come from Eastgate to Mac, super high speed. Is it going to be super high speed? Well, it's quicker than a bus, right? It's rapid transit. Okay, sure. Right? That's what LRG stands for. I mean, when for, it stops at so many or light places. rail transit. Yeah. Okay, sure. Anyway, carry on. It sounds like a great idea to me, but what's going to happen is we're going to do how many years of construction? And well, then I'm reading reports that all these cities,
0: again, you're from Toronto, you tell me it's terrible. Yeah, no, it is terrible, right? Okay. Uh, and it's terrible for several reasons uh and construction always being one of those things that seems to affect it but they, in terms of how long it'll take it'll take years so what you do is you calculate how long it'll take to, to do it in asia so if it takes them six months you multiply that by 30 do, do and, you have uh, that app on your phone it's like the yeah the construction type, right? calculator this is in my opinion the biggest problem with the way things are done in our country overall and at large there's so much bureaucracy so much red tape and doing construction is difficult the permits that they allow people to have There's money grabs all along the way. You throw out the whole process and inspection checks and studies and safety checks that need to be done, right? And the reason why these things don't happen in a lot of other places is because they try to make it easy for the construction. Now, there are arguments to be made where you want to make sure that things aren't done like the Wild Wild West and that everything is controlled and that you have things being done properly. But the problem is, is that Right now, it feels like we have the worst of both worlds. Things take a long time to do, and things are still not done properly. How many times do we see condos having deficiency issues where glass is falling off of the windows, and it took them a long time to do these things? Yep. Remember remember the guys who the city had to do the The painted lines on the highway and then they all started peeling off and they spent so much money and then they demanded at that point that the guy had to correct it but what quality control is there quality control takes a long time slows down the work and the quality is still not there yeah we need someone
1: accountable for that we talk about you say you know the transit toronto sucks i think it's gonna be a great thing because i never experienced before every city's doing it hamilton's getting bigger it's getting busier for me to drive to my house to westdale you know 25 30 minutes really yeah it's it's crazy during traffic yeah during traffic it's crazy Uh, king street that's nuts
0: (laughs) yeah okay that's (laughs) you know it's better than the toronto issue right now where they say it takes an hour to get from toronto to toronto there's a meme about that yeah yeah so i think we're getting there i still find that it takes about 10 to 15 minutes during non-peak hours to get anywhere in hamilton to hamilton 10 to 15 minutes pretty much anywhere the max is if you're on the far side, like Stony Creek, and you need to go to Ancaster 20 minutes. That's because the Link's there, the yeah. QEW's there, the three.
1: everything's really, really close. Yeah. Right, so if you do live, you know, I live in the East End, everything's super close for me to hop on the Link. I can go to Costco in Ancaster, that's farther away than Costco in Burlington, because of the Link. Yes. Right, which is a, which was a great play, we definitely needed it. Yeah. And that's why I'm going to sit there with the LRT, but... I read this in the spec the other day that in the 1900s, we used to have um, transit, like street railway cars in Hamilton, and we got rid of them. Yeah. Because everybody wanted cars. And yeah. cars was, you know, it was way quicker to get from point A to point B. Yeah. So we bury all the tracks
0: and we make roads. So there's tracks underneath existing there's roads. There's
1: tracks underneath that when we're digging up the roads right now on Sherman, if you drive down Sherman, yeah, it's going to take you about five minutes to get from one end of Sherman to the other end of Sherman. It's crazy right now. And that's what's going to happen for the next 5 years. We're going to get crazy crazy traffic. But you can actually see the old uh railroad tracks.
0: <laughs> so they they cover so we had railroad tracks. We had them. They buried them. We didn't want them anymore so that we can have roads. And now we're going to install new roads. Now we're digging up the road yeah. to put railroad tracks down. Yes. Isn't that crazy? If aliens came and they were looking at this, they're going to think that we're backwards. That we can't make up our mind about anything. Yeah. 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 On to the point of it, of that cuz that's actually a good um a good thing to note about the way we develop infrastructure because the whole thing about kicking the ball down the road and trying to solve the problem by taking the circle and solving a problem here that cascades negative effects down the road is that in trying to solve the housing crisis we are building a lot of properties we're building we are we are for sure building a lot of residential units Mm -hmm. okay we're bringing in people to prop up the economy right Mm -hmm. so bringing people we're trying to build housing we're catching up there And the next problem that I'm going to see happening is we're going to see a complete lack and failure of infrastructure. Mm. Things are wearing out. The thing is not just that we're not building new ones to accommodate what's existing, is that that stuff is going to need replacements soon, Mm. right? It's kind of the processing plant for the waste management. That's one. And that's kind of critical, I would say. The next thing is road infrastructure. These people are going to need a way to get around transit while we're building it is not a great solution even detroit has that elevated monorail thing or whatever that goes around and it's very effective now i know detroit had an exodus so it's actually they have a lot of heavy infrastructure for not serving a large enough population yeah so things are it's like there's no traffic yes (laughs) right but the thing is that they are, by, by building the these things that are effectively like streetcars, like growing up in Toronto, I can tell you streetcars, well, they are pretty. They are the worst mode of uh, transit you what? could possibly have. For one, they block roads. And when they open the doors, yeah. you, they're put in the center of the roads. So they actually forced whoever is on the, on the right lane get to stop. Of the middle of the road. So no one effectively can pass those streetcars past infrastructure. And when you line up poorly with the lights, you get stuck at the light. The, uh, you can't go, the streetcar goes, it then stops and tells you to stop, and then you hit another red light. So it's like streetcars, every stop they have, it's adding an extra red light to traffic behind them. So it's horrible. their in- stops are red lights. No, no, not always. Adding more congestion. It seems
1: like that's a, a very easy so- problem to solve. Okay. All stops at red lights.
0: But the thing is that some intersections are too far apart, Mm, right? They try to uh, put them where it is as needed. So it depends. Like the Spadino ones aren't so bad because they're enclosed and it doesn't actually impede with the road infrastructure. There's effectively sidewalks in the middle of the road. But that technically will work better if we just have more lanes. Now, if you look at other places where they do things more sensibly, even in Russia, they don't lay tracks. They tracks is stupid. First of all, it's hard to maintain, especially in a winter country where that stuff is going to get covered with snow. You need to clean it. You can't see it. Yes. There's all kinds of problems yes. with that. And then if you look at it, it needs all the infrastructure up top. Now here's the idea: they're saying, "Oh, well, it's electric. It's clean. It's green. It's help. Is it's better for the environment?" Okay. Well, in Russia, they have buses that operate with those uh, with the, with the things that attach to the electric infrastructure, yes. and that way, when the bus when the bus needs to stop, an electric bus. It pulls over, mm-hmm. but a streetcar just blocks everybody. Even what's being done here in Hamilton, it's silly in the bigger picture of infrastructure. Now having talked to enough people about it, because what is it that people want to complain about? Well, when you get together with your friends or whoever, we're going to complain about politicians. We're going to complain about taxes. Yeah. We're going to complain about yeah. traffic. One of my friends is a traffic engineer, and he works for one of the big uh, big, big, engineering firms that does the audits and does the design for City of Toronto traffic. He tells me that the disposition of the city is not to promote the flow of traffic. It is to make it worse so that it discourages people from taking the car. So when you ask him, why don't we have more parking? He says, if you build more parking, the people will fill it. Why don't you build better roads or wider roads? He says, if you build more lanes, people will fill it. And I'm saying, okay, so what is so the we're mandate? Taking it Let's just just take, take it, it away. Just take it away, make it so bad that it forces people to take whatever transit we have so that more money goes into transit. And then we can afford to maybe make the transit a little bit better. But then we also have the problem of building takes so long. You see the way that they build subways in every yeah. other country. You can look at these maps of subway infrastructure in different countries, and it looks amazing. And then you look at Toronto's subway infrastructure. Yeah, It's laughable. We are a global city, and we have the transit that we have. And I feel like what they're doing in Hamilton is they're, they're following... They're following suit with the same poorly thought out. like I don't even know why. Why do we do tracks? Why do we do tracks? In yeah. a winter country, why do we do so many bike lanes?
1: <laughs> right? Yeah, and, and it all leads down to your friend there saying that we don't want people in
0: cars. Canada, everything's so far apart.
1: So far apart. Even the city, right? Westdale is, you know, how many kilometers away from where we are right now? You know, it's not this little tiny city, right? It's a big city to go
0: in the mountain. Let's go to Lamarge Mall, right? Lamarge Mall two buses. The systems are poor. seems like the government just wants uh to live in what seems like a fallacy of no 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 this stuff is good you know how many politicians have gone up and say oh yeah i was actually riding my bicycle taking the bike lane Like shut up yeah yeah right it's as if though toronto doesn't need delivery trucks right doesn't need like they were even talking about making it a no drive zone for a little bit like making certain areas of the core a no drive zone or or if we allow cars we're going to charge a toll
1: yeah Right, you won't take the gardener, pay 20 bucks a car.
0: Exactly, right? So here's the thing, because I don't want to digress too much from housing crisis. But the but the thing is that it seems like we are doing things to resolve the housing crisis. But the thing is that as people come in, there is failing infrastructure down the line of the immediate solution, the immediate problem that people are focusing on, which is the actual accommodation. Yeah, I can't imagine that
1: there's 300, almost, What what was the number? Almost 300 cranes. In the GTA. to something between Toronto
0: and Hamilton. And we're not building any new highways. That's what I'm saying. Like, what is everybody going to do? Everybody's going to work remote, right? No one's going to be driving anymore. Come on. right? If we're going to work remote, we may as well stay in India why immigrate to canada right <laughs> yeah i guess if you look at it like that from from a workforce perspective but no people come here for better lives i understand why people come here <laughs> yes. right um i've traveled to some places in the east and like i understand why i still think canada is one of the better places no matter how I even agree. even though things are i think are pretty bad i think they're pretty bad from a deteriorating perspective like i've seen it better and i can see it getting worse however if you look at other places they've actually gone through the same motions but the difference is they had leading infrastructure going ahead of it. A lot of the people who they had as leaders thought ahead. And that's the difference. You know, in Toronto, there has not I think there hasn't been a new highway built since the 70s. The 407 was the last highway that was mm. built by Toronto. And you know uh, what they did with it? Sold it. They sold it. And yeah. they sold it. And I'm pretty sure that the company is actually in India. And what drives me nuts about that is that when I went to Singapore, my cousins were talking to me about Toronto. And guess what they said? They said mm. that they did a case study about toronto and the 407 Mm. and how it is used as an example in a university about one of the worst deals made by a city ever yeah that is embarrassing remember my other friend showed me this one it was like a national geographic or something where they were talking about how to build a city and they used toronto as an example of how not to do it (laughs) yeah yeah it's crazy right so we're trying to do these things solve housing okay yeah let people build uh let's let's make all these adjustments but we have no leading infrastructure and then the question comes in are people going to want to live here yeah after once they get
1: houses? once they get here they're going to be like hey maybe it's not It's all." Up. no yeah we don't have the weather yeah
0: right we don't we, we're not going to have the infrastructure and is the place really going to be that enjoyable and for that matter is it going to even be that multicultural by the time all said and done and like these no, are things sad, that we it's celebrate
1: a sad, it's a sad thing to be in the you know what what i think the greatest country in the world and then you know, I think we should have everybody come to Canada. And then crazy the the tumble that we're going down. I think
0: housing crisis problem. There's a lot of people who are applying for places to live. But I also noticed that there has always been a lot of people applying for places to live where we operate, at least Southern Ontario. Yeah, right. So it, it it's like there's a lot of focus being put on it. There's a lot of cranes going up. I don't know though if uh, that is going to be enough to solve this because even if we have we managed to accommodate people. Are people going to want to stay?
1: And then the worst thing to do is we solve the housing crisis and then they're all empty. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Exactly. (laughs) 10 years from now, we got the opposite of a housing crisis. Yeah. We got (laughs) a bunch of empty skyscrapers.